Everlasting Father, we thank you for the opportunity to spend in your presence. We thank you for your mercies. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your help. Thank you because you always help us. Thank you because you are always with us. Thank you because you are always in us. We thank you, God Almighty, for your for all the people that come to you, all the people that acknowledge you as God. You're always working all things in their lives for their good. And I really appreciate that about you. Thank you because you have planned our lives, so oh God, so well. And you've helped us even more than we can imagine if we were to give um, money for every good thing you have done for us. We would not be able to afford it, um, starting with salvation. But we thank you for the opportunity and grace to actually see this day and be saved and experience life as a Christian following Jesus. We thank you for this opportunity. Many people don't have the opportunity. We ask this morning that you have mercy upon them and let them um, discover your love, discover your power to save them from bondage of sin, power to save them from depression, sadness, oppression, molestation, and all the evils of this world caused by the devil. Thank you because you expose your power to save them from this and power to give them joy and peace and love and all the good things you have in store for your children, for humans, when you created us, Lord. I thank you because you have done it without glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. So today we are going into the word of God, and I will share my screen um, for a few minutes, and I will then unshare. But while I share my screen, I want you to grab the... Um, the Bible verses, as well as the topic, you can jot that down on your notebooks. And that can help a lot. Um, okay, so I'll be sharing my screen right now. Do that. So, yeah. So I believe you can see my screen right now. And today's topic is <clears throat> Mary of Bethany. We started talking about Mary of Bethany last week. And it was interesting because we came up with a lot of things. So I'll just do a quick re recap of what we learned last week. From last week's meeting, we read the four Bible verses and we concluded, or some of our sisters online actually shared some of this with us. And the first one is God does not want our sacrifice. He wants our love. And they concluded this from Mary and Martha's response to Jesus's visit to their home. So Mary uh, um, and Martha opened their home to Jesus Christ. And he came with his disciples. And I know some crowds that followed them would have been present at, at, his, at their home as well. <clears throat> anyway, the funniest thing is that the, the Bible verse, if we should read it again, 
stated that Martha was the one that welcomed Jesus into her home. So this is um, um, to say that Martha actually loved Jesus. And if she were living in this day, she would have been referred to as a Christian. But she got to understand or based on whatever preconceived understanding and I, or idea she had about serving God, she believed that sacrifice was more important than even getting to know God. So working for God, from Martha's view, was more important than knowing God or walking with God. So that's like a popular topic, walk for God or walk with God work for God or walk with God. But, you know, Jesus made it clear what was important. He, he told Martha that Mary has chosen the best. Mary has chosen um, the right, um, made the right choice by sitting at God's feet and it will not be taken away from her. So I want us to just read Luke 10, 38 to 42. And then talk a little bit about it. And we read John 12, 1 to 3. Talk a little bit about it. And the Mark chapter and then the Osea chapter. And we'll talk a little bit about it. I think that's the format that today's Bible study is going to take. So uh, I changed the screen. So let me read to you Luke 10. 38 to 42. Mm. Okay. So Luke 10, 28, 38 to 42 says that as Jesus and his disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a village where a woman named Martha welcomed them into a home. Her sister, Mary, sat on the floor listening to Jesus as he talked. But Martha was a jittery type and was worrying over the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Sir, doesn't it seem unfair to you? that my sister just sits here while I do all the work, all, all the work. Tell her to come and help me. But Jesus, but the Lord said to her, Martha, dear friend, you are so upset over all these details. There is really one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it and I won't take it away from her. Amen. So, um, one thing that jumped out to me from reading this passage was this sentence. Sir, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Does it not seem unfair to you? So it means that Mary think, Martha thinks that for Mary not to do anything, Mary is not being, that's another way to look at it. Mary is not being fair to to Jesus, right? So this is a, an ambiguous statement that could mean two things. One, it could mean that doesn't it seem unfair to you um, that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? So 
Martha might be saying, if, from your perspective, oh, Jesus, does it seem, does it not seem unfair from your perspective that I do all the work? So Mary is cheating me because I'm doing all the work, right? That's one way to look at it. it I, it's not fair that I'm doing all the work. It's not fair. Don't you see it from your perspective that it's not fair that I do all the evangelism, I do all the <clears throat> preparation, all the meetings, all the visitation, all the, all the, even all the healing, you know? Yeah. That's how the Holy Spirit can give to Christians and all they do is to just implement those gifts and forget about the relationship. Christ and those spirits will not take his gifts away from you because that's what he said anyway so one way to look at it is does it not seem unfair from your point of view that I do all the work it's unfair Mary should help me then another way to look at it uh, uh, to interpret that sentence is Jesus does it not seem unfair to you. Does it not seem unfair to you? Right? So let's let me explain the second meaning. It could mean that <clears throat> um, Jesus died for both of us, right? And then I am trying to love, I, I don't want to be Martha, but as you mean a Martha, and I'm trying to love Jesus with all my service. And but Jesus died for both Mary and Martha. And Martha is not doing anything. She's just sitting at Jesus' feet. <clears throat> and Martha is like, I believe you will love me more. It should be unfair to you. She's not doing anything for you. That's unfair to you. So that, that's the second way I'm seeing this thing. Lord, does it not seem unfair to you that um, this Christian is not even doing any sacrifice? She's not going to Africa. She's not... She's not going to the ends of the earth to take your gospel there. She's not doing all this work. But I, she's just sitting at your feet, just probably reading a Bible at home, learning from your word. That's all she's doing. It's not fair. Tell her to come and help me evangelize. Tell her to come and help me prepare for meetings to organize crusades, to clean the church. Tell her to come and help me. So, but you know what the Lord told her? Mary has chosen the best part. And see how he said it. Martha, dear friend, you are so upset over all these details. There is really one thing worth being concerned about. So this, this, this is telling me a lot of things. There's only one thing worth being concerned about. Whoa. So when service to God start becoming a concern, then I'm out. Yeah, because if, if service to God is making me weigh down or making me work, then I have to, that's, that's not worth it. The only thing worth it is how to sit down in, at God's feet and study his word. I should be concerned of, about how to make time to actually study God's word. I should be concerned about how to make time to understand his word because it is, 
I don't know how Proverbs puts it, but it is wanting for God to conceal a matter. It is the honor of kings to decipher it. This word of God is concealed. You will not believe it, that every time you go and read a sentence, it means something else. So there's a lot of meaning in this word of God. And that's why it's not like any book that you can just understand everything about. Like if I'm reading a novel, like I just, it has just one meaning because it, it was written by mortal man, right? It cannot have any deeper meaning, no matter how they try to encode it, even if they are very smart and then try to encode it, it could just mean one word, one meaning that they had in mind when they were encoding the words in the novel. However, the word of God was written by the Holy Spirit and it has supernatural meaning that the mortal mind cannot understand except they spend time and ask God to help them to understand his work. And that is what you are supposed to be concerned about as a Christian. That's what I am supposed to be concerned about as a Christian. How can I have time? How can I buy time? You know, I don't want like talking about myself, but when God gives you opportunities earlier at an early age, just know that he's trying to buy your time for him. So when he has given you an opportunity and or makes your way very clear so that you can move faster, it doesn't mean that you are supposed to then look for a more, okay, if God gives you an opportunity, right? Or a skill or a gift. Yes, yes, yes. Here's an example now. So for example, now you have a gift of designing rare stops, stuff that are in demand by nations, by countries, right? So you have this gift of designing these things and then you start designing and designing and, you know, you're not just a designer in a black hole or in a cave that nobody knows you are a very, God just opened a way and an opportunity for someone to just um, patronize you and ask for your design and pay for the design. And from that point in time, the whole world got to know about you. They are talking about you on CNN, about your designs and everything. And then you are kind of rich and wealthy all of a sudden. At an early age or you've achieved more than, more than other people at an early age, and you're a Christian, right? God is trying to buy your time. So he's trying to make your way prosperous, remove all the obstacles that will prevent you from dwelling in his presence at an early age. All the excuses that you might have, oh God, I don't have money. Oh God, I have to look for a job. Oh God, I have to. When God gives you a breakthrough at an early age, it, it doesn't mean you should now start basking and getting more riches and more wealth. So, Yes, it's good to um, dream big and be ambitious, but it's, it's also subject to the spirit of God. So when the Holy Spirit tells you, don't go to, don't expand to Asia, because I want you to read your Bible and, and I have time for me, right? That is what the Holy Spirit is telling you about. And that's the only thing you should be concerned about. So when you start and you expand to the US, your business is growing, booming, and India is saying that you they need your services. Asia, um, Africa is saying they need your services. The whole world is saying they need your services. And you are wealthy. You, you have what you're going to eat for the next 10 years, next 20 years. You are very well to do. Um, you have to be contented. And then know 
ask God, why have you made me this comfortable at this time? It's for you to dig and bury yourself to know more about him. Because he knows that your excuses to know more about him will be, I don't have food to eat. I don't have a job. So how would I um, um, have time to sit down at your feet? And so if God has helped you, God has blessed you, you have to reduce all those activities. For example, in the case of the illustration I was given, you know that, oh, setting up a new office in India might take your time and pay other people to do it just so that you can really buy the time that God has, has given you opportunity for, right? So God has bought your time and bought you time to spend in his presence. Be sensitive to it. And I, I don't know if this is for anybody listening, but when God has given you time, don't use that time for other business things, especially to make money, to make more money, you know? So I, I pray that the Holy Spirit will lead all of us, but um, the most important thing you should be concerned about is how to make more time to read the Bible, how to make more time to make, read the Bible, more and more time. It can never be more than enough. Okay. So um, <clears throat> we've done, we've read the first verse and I think I, I don't yet have any like inspiration from the Holy Spirit, more about more revelations about this verse, but let's quickly go to the next verse. And let me share my screen again. So the next verse is John 12, 1, 2, 3. And we're going to read it in John 12, John 12, John 12, 1, 2, 3. <clears throat> okay. So it says that six days before the Passover ceremony began, Jesus arrived in Bethany where Lazarus was the man he had brought back to life. So for backstory, Lazarus is the brother of Mary and Martha. A banquet was prepared in honor. <clears throat> the banquet was prepared in Jesus's honor. Martha served again. Like, like after Jesus has told her that the most important thing is to sit down at his feet, right? That's what she didn't get the gist. Martha served again. And Lazarus sat at the table with him. And what did Mary do? <clears throat> Mary took a jar of costly perfume made from essence of nard. That is the name of from essence of nard. So this is a perfume, and she anointed Jesus' feet with it and wiped them with her hair. And the house was filled with fragrance. Hmm. Amen. So we're gonna stop at verse three. What we can take out of this portion of the Bible is that is the well, how can I put it? The next day or the next, the effects of the previous scripture we um, read about. Mary sat 
at Jesus' feet. And Mary is the subject of what we're learning right now, but it looks like many of us can resonate with Martha. And so we are trying to understand how can we be more like Mary and less like Martha. So um, Martha, okay, Mary sat at Jesus' feet in the previous scripture, listening to everything that came out of his mouth. And the impact, that's the word I was looking for. The impact of what happened in the previous scripture is repentance. When Jesus, when we sit as Jesus speaks, reading the word of God, he begins to mortify every of the deeds of the flesh in us. And scripture that is jumping to my heart right now is Colossians. Colossians chapter 3. And I'll try to read it. So Colossians chapter 3, if you you ask me to read, I would like to read verse 1. Verse 1 says that since you became alive again, so to speak, when Christ arose from the dead, now set your sights on the rich treasures and joys of heaven, where he sits beside God in the place of honor and power. Let heaven fill your thoughts. Don't spend your time worrying about things down here. You should have as little desire for this world as a dead person does. See that, I tell you that every time I read the Bible, it gets different. Like a lot of interesting stuff. It gets more stronger, especially if God wants you to learn something about whatever scripture. He just jumps to you whatever God wants you to learn at that point in time. And if that's not the time for God to teach you about that thing, it just remains hidden. So it's like, what kind of book is this? Like you're holding a, a, an algorithm that, <laughs> a very powerful algorithm, right? God doesn't want me to learn about this. And even if I open my eyes and read it time and time again, I'm not going to know anything about it. But when God wants me to learn about it, and I just read it, even, even if I'm in a train station and there's so uh, New York subway and there's so much noise, I will get whatever he wants me to get from the word of God. And that is how it works. Like it's powerful than AI. So, um, <clears throat> so he says that three, let me read Colossians three verse three again. You should have as little desire for this world as a dead person does. Your real life is in heaven. You should have as little desire for this world as a dead person does. Hey, how does a dead person desire this life? The day a dead person dies, all his clothes remain unworn by him. His business transactions remains undone by him. His checks remains unsigned by him. The money in the bank remains unspent by him. And that is really scary. So, except if God says, oh, you dead man, go and spend that money. And whatever God says, that's what would happen, right? God can do anything. God can raise a dead to life. He can say a dead man should spend some money. So, that is exactly how we should be. We should be as good as dead. Do everything. 
in this world, except if the Holy Spirit says, do that. And then we will do that. But talk about desire for doing that. We should have no desire to do anything that concerns this world. Wow. So that job you are in, ensure that God gave you permission to do it. It's scary. That marriage you are in, ensure that God gave you permission to get married. Giving birth to children, ensure that you're in God's will. But remember, as many that are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. So you need to be led by God's Spirit. That is the most important thing. So um, you should have as little desire for this world as a dead person does. Wow. Your real life is in heaven with Christ and God. And when Christ, who is our real life, comes back again, you will shine with him and share in his in all his glory. Now that you have known all these things, when you came to Christ and salvation, you were dead, you rose again, and that switch from death to life happened, even while your eyes were open, but you don't know about it because God did it in your spirit, and you can see the fruits of joy, and like, oh, I'm now a Christian. Why do I have so much joy? Why do I feel no depression? Why do I have, why am I happy? Why why am I feeling all these things? That is because you've died and rose again. And even though your eyes were not closed or your heart did not stop, you actually died and rose again. And when you rose, you rose up with Christ's life and Adam's life or your parents, each life died at salvation and then you rose with Christ's life. And that's what it means to be saved. And that doesn't mean that your fingers become longer. You see, mine are very short. <laughs> that doesn't mean that your teeth becomes like white or complete. That doesn't mean that all the flaws in your physical life changes. And that doesn't also mean that all the things that the Adamic nature has taught you just disappears on that day, right? So verse 5 of Colossians 3, 5 says, Away then with sinful earthly things. You still have to modify those things. KJV says, modify the sinful things. So the difference between a saved and an unsaved person is that after you died and rose again, you don't have the desire to do all those things. So you don't have the desire to do those things. You, you know how to lie. Like, if you know how to lie, you know how to cheat, you know how to change figures, you know how to do a lot of things that are sinful against God before salvation. But after you switch sides and you rise again after salvation, you still know how to do all those things, but you don't desire to do them anymore. So that's the difference. You don't desire to do them, but you know how to do them. And sometimes, even though you don't desire to do them, because of other things, other um, things that the, the temptation, when temptation comes and knocks at your door, like you know how to do this and you are an expert in it. Why not do this? Just, just do it. And you're like, I don't like to do this. I don't want to do this, but you know how to do it, right? So why not just do it? And yeah, you do what you don't want to do. And that's why Paul said, oh God, I'm going to many scriptures. Paul says that, I don't want to do this thing, but there's a law in my member that does that wants to do this thing. Well, 
in order not to just skip from scripture to scripture, let me stay on this scripture. Colossians 3, 5 says that, Away then with sinful earthly things, deading the evil desires lurking within you. So kill them. Kill those evil desires. Have nothing to do with sexual sin, impurity, lust, and shameful desires. Don't worship the good things of life, for that is idolatry. God's terrible anger is upon those who do such things. So why we got to this verse is because it's when you read the word of God that God starts exposing the things that you need to kill. Like you know how to lie, you're a good cheat, and what else? You know how to communicate, very good at cheating on your wife or your husband. Um, kill those things. And when the word of God hits you, when you read it and it then hits you, like I explained, the algorithm hits you, and that's when you would you would say, oh God, this thing is still in my life. I don't want it anymore. I pray against it and I overcome it in the name of Jesus. So that is your work and that is my work. And that was Mary's work. When, when sitting at Jesus' feet, something hit her and she discovered that she was unclean. And then she took a, a, took a jar of costly perfume made from essence of nard and anointed Jesus' feet with it and wiped them with her hair. And her house was filled with fragrance. And if we read down the scriptures, um, people were saying, is this not a sinful woman? And Jesus said, her sins have been forgiven. And wherever people read about the Bible, they would also read about the woman. So he said it in, I can see it here, and we don't have time to read it through here. But Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, I think Luke in particular also talked about this event. So if you read that, and I'm going to try to link the scripture where Jesus said, Jesus forgave Mary's sins. I'll link it in the comments or the description. And you can see it that the impact from the previous sitting at Jesus' feet sparked a change killing of worldly lifestyle killing of sin or whatever sin right the bible did not tell us whatever sin that mary was repenting of by that singular act of anointing jesus feet and kissing his feet and doing all those things and yeah and i think some people call her a sinful woman and god forgive her and so that is john 12 1 to 3 and that was an interesting read. If you have any other comments to make, I think I'm the only one on the line today. Yes, I am. I keep checking this, but I'm the only one on the line. But if you have comments, please make them and go bless us all. So um, we still have time on our side. So we'll quickly go to Mark and Lucia. And when we go to those two, we'll pray and then we will if God permits us, we would close for today. So I will share my screen again. And so this is the next scripture, Mark 3, 13 to 15. Let me highlight it. 
So let's open to Mark 3, 13 to 15. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. Afterwards, he went up into the hills and someone certain ones he chose, inviting them to come and join him there. And they did. Then he selected 12 of them to be his regular companions and to go out to preach and cast out demons. Ah, I think I know where this question is going. So this is the new, the living Bible. I really like it a lot. Okay. You can see it. But I would like to read the um, King James version because it's this version left out the hierarchy of how Jesus said it. And Mark 3, 13 to 15. So let's read together. Mark 3, 13 to 15. King James Version. King James Version. It says, And he goeth up into the mountain, and calleth unto him whom he would. And they came unto him. So imagine God calling you unto himself. And then you are calling, he called you, he came unto him, he called you in salvation, he came unto him in repentance. And he ordained 12 that they should be with him. So that is like the, the, the journey. God calls you, you agree to come, then he asks you to be with him. But before I keep explaining, let me please read the whole verse. And he ordained 12 that they should be with him and that he might send them forth to preach. You see that? Jesus called 12 disciples that they should be with him, just like Mary sitting with him, sitting at his feet. They should be with him and that he might send them forth to preach. Might. And he might not. You get it? So he might send them forth to preach. He might not send them forth to preach. Depends on him. Depends on the Holy Spirit. He might tell you to do that service in church. And he might tell you, no, read your book, read your Bible at home. He might tell you to start her an auditorium and be a pastor. And no, he might tell you to just read your Bible every day and sit with him. And until you know more about him, he might. But the, the most important thing is that be with him. You should be with him. In fact, when you just be with him, that's what he wants from you. The other one is optional. It is what do you call it in school. It is called, it's an elective. It's not a compulsory course. You don't even have to do it. You don't even have to preach. You don't even have to, you don't have to what? <clears throat> you don't have to evangelize. You don't have to heal the sick. You don't have to clean the chairs. You don't have to um, go to church to do all those things, except if he asks you to do it. 
That's what the Bible said. It's not my, it's not my preaching. It's King James Version. But I don't know why the NLT did not put it that way. But let's see what the NLT said. The NLT said that afterwards he went up into the mouth, into the hills. And someone certain once he chose, inviting them to come and join him there. And they did. That's cool. Then he selected 12 of them to be his regular companions. First, that's the first thing he did. And to go out to preach and to cast out demons. Yeah. So they didn't put the optional thing here. But KJV said, the, the version said that first be with me, then I might send you forth to do some work. And that's the same. It still goes in line with Mary and Martha saying that the most important thing is to sit down at God's feet to learn from him. I pray God will help us in Jesus' name and help us to see to, to, to choose to do the, um, the compulsory courses, <clears throat> the compulsory courses, and only do the optional ones when Christ has asked us to do it. And then some people focus on the optional courses. They don't even try to do the compulsory courses. And Tell me what's going to happen to you when you have core courses and you choose to do the electives in school. You can't graduate. There's no way. And so also in Christianity, you cannot graduate to whatever height that God wants you to do, to go to, to get to. If you don't do the core courses, you can't graduate. Oh God, I want to live for you. I want to... Do your will. I want to hear from you. I want to do greater works. I want to do your will, right? I want to be your child. I want you to speak to me. I want you to hear your voice. Then you go do the electives. No. You have to do the compulsory course first. Stay with Christ and read this word and be concerned about making time to, to, to seek his face. I pray God will help us in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So, um... The last verse we're going to study today is the Hosea verse, and it's Hosea 6, verse 6. I don't know how I can highlight, but no worries. Let me just highlight this one as well. Hosea 6, verse 6. Timos, Udaya. Jonah, Maitai, Nahum, Habakkuk, Agai, okay. I think I've past where Ozia is. Maitai Ozier. Yep. Uh, I don't know where Ozia is. Oh, before Joel. Ha! Okay, so Hosea 6 verse 6 says, uh, I don't want your sacrifices. Ha! Okay, quite plain and simple. So 
Now, in case you did not hear it in the first verse, you say, oh, we have to sacrifice, we have to do evangelism, we have to do mission for God, we have to go to the ends of the earth, we have to do Africa. We have to... I don't want your services. That's why, that's what God is saying in Osea. Six verse six. I don't want your services, your sacrifices, all the sacrifice that you're making for me. All the stress you're putting on yourself. I don't want it. I don't want your sacrifices. I want your love. I want your love. Come on, stay with me. How, how do you show love to someone that doesn't want your sacrifices? So people say, okay, love is sacrifice, right? So love is a, an act of kindness, right? You can say, if you love somebody, you give them your time, you give them your money, you sacrifice some things for them, you go to the ends of the earth to help them out. Or if the person says, I don't want your sacrifices, don't sacrifice anything for me. What else do you have to give the person? I, I believe it's your time. Just stay with the person and love on the person and give the person kisses. That is what the person wants. If the person doesn't want sacrifices. So God is telling you that, I don't want your sacrifices. I want your love. I don't want your offerings. Aha. So I don't want your offerings. You can't just come here and dump $1,000 at my altar. I don't want, that's not what I want. I don't want your offerings. I want you to know me. I want you to know me. How can, how, can, how can you know God? How can I know God? By staying with him. I can't know him from the news or the media or hearsay. I can't know him from my pastor telling me about him. I can know him by reading what he said for myself. I read it myself. I read what he says and spend time praying to him and singing to him and being with him. That is how I can know him. I'm sorry that my chair is making some noise. That's how I can know him. God will help us in the name of Jesus. To know God. Yeah, so that's where we're going to end today's Bible study. We have 10 more minutes left. And I just want us to bow down our heads this morning and just pray. Pray that God will help us to know him. Pray that God will help us to love him the way he wants to be loved. You know, he said, I don't want you to sacrifice anything to me. I don't want you to give me so much money and spoil me with so much money. I know you have it. I don't want that. I want you to love me in the in ways you can love me. And that's knowing, knowing more of me. Know me. Read the word of God and know me. Lord, help me to know you. Let's open our mouths this morning and say, God, help me to know you. Help me to know you for who you are, Lord. Help me to know you. Help me to love you. Help me to serve you. Help me to do your will, Lord. Help me to love you so that you can mortify, mortify the deeds of the flesh in me. Like Mary, she sat at your feet one day. She was crying at your feet the next because of repentance from sin. Help me, oh God, to know you so that I start modifying all these habits that Mr. Flesh taught me, the Adamic nature taught me. I start destroying them one after the other 
so that I can know you even more, so that you can show me more and more about you, oh God. Help me to know you, Lord. Help me to love you. Help me to know you and love you. Those are the two things you want from me, oh God. You said it in the Old Testament. You said it in the New Testament. The same thing over and over is coming on. on. Help us to know you, oh God. Help us to know you even before you send us out to preach, to, before you send us out to do stuff, Lord. Help us to know you, God. Now, personal life, Lord. Help us to know you, Lord. Help us to know you, Lord. Help us to know you. Help us to show you love by spending time with you, God. By sitting at your feet like Mary, God. By soaking ourselves in the word of God, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Right now, I'm going to bless our week. And I pray, Father, King of glory. We thank you for exposing your word to us. Very interesting. Never seen it before. The two statements doesn't seem unfair to you. It doesn't seem unfair to me. These things are new. Never heard it before, but you expose it to us today, Lord. We appreciate you for everything, God, how you described your love as a compulsory cost that we have to take and how services to you and sacrifices are just optional for God. We ask that you please help us to understand this, oh God, and value spending time with you, oh God. And Lord, you also expose to us your word, oh God, that we should love this world as much as a dead person does, oh God. We should act, we should perform activities in this world, oh God, as much as a dead person would perform them, oh God. That is just, Lord, help us to do this more, oh God. Help us to grow in that area, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ. I thank you, God, because we'll become perfect, to God, in you very soon, oh God. We love you, God. Be thou exalted, ancient of days. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Amen. We also pray for the people that are listening that you will change their lives, so God, help them to be confirmed, confirmed to the express image of Jesus Christ. Bless our week. Bless our weekend, oh God. And receive the glory in our lives, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Amen. Amen. So thank you so much for tuning in today. And I wish you the best and I say have a blessed week and God bless you. Amen.